You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is your host, Stephen Roach. This is Season 5, Episode 14, The Art of Acting as Truth-Telling. Ultimately, as an actor, you're going for truth, whether you're in theater or film. Lawrence Olivier said something to the effect of, character is not who must I become to play this person. It's who does this character become because I'm the one who's playing it. Jason Berkey is a professional actor who has appeared on television shows such as The Walking Dead, Nashville, Being Mary Jane, and a score of other well-known programs. His movie credits include a lead role in the 2012 surprise hit October Baby, as well as Lady and the Tramp, I Can Only Imagine, and the recently released The Art of Self-Defense. Jason is also a founder of Act for a Change, which is a local theater nonprofit that gathers Atlanta actors, writers, and directors to perform one-act plays for local charities. You can find out more about this organization at actforachange.org or see the show notes of this episode. I had a fascinating conversation with Jason about what motivates him as an actor and what it means to live truthfully in an imaginative setting. Patrons of the podcast can enjoy an additional interview segment with Jason at patreon.com slash makersandmystics. This is my interview with actor and optimist, Jason Berkey. Well, Jason, I'm so excited to have a conversation with you and talk about what motivates you as an artist and an actor, as well as just get to know you some and, and what your process is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, acting for me has always been a, a part of my life. And I'll, I'll tell you about the the moment when I knew it was going to be a part of my life, whether as a hobby or as a career. Uh, seventh grade, I, it was the first play I ever did. And it was actually a musical. It was Little House on the Prairie. Somehow we made it into a musical. And I had never thought about doing theater or getting involved at all in that way. But I did it. Honestly, I think me and my best friend did it because all the girls did it. So that was, <laughs> that was like motivation, you know. Um, but I remember, I don't even know what my lines were, but I remember the feeling of having a room full of people laughing at something that I was doing and that immediate response. That feeling was addictive, honestly. It was, mm. it was, I don't think I realized that it was the power of storytelling in that moment, Uh, but I knew that it was a a feeling that I wanted to chase after, you know, for for the remainder of my life in in some form or fashion. Uh, So that was a clear moment in my mind when when I decided, okay, this is now a a part of me. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so past the high school acting or the high school theatrical uh, expression, how did you get into doing this as a career? Yeah, so you continued to do three uh, theater all throughout, you know, high school and college, and uh, there was one play that I did, Flowers for Algernon. Um, still one of the most fulfilling acting roles and experiences I've had, and that was my junior year of college, and a film professor of mine had seen that play and she had written me this email shortly after that I guess I had saved, but it essentially said, hey, no matter where you are in your life, 
I hope that you're pursuing this. I hope that you're auditioning wherever you are in the world, you're auditioning because I believe that God has given you something here and that you should be pursuing that. So I had graduated college with a film degree. I wanted to get into film production. I knew that I just wanted to be on set. I just loved the feeling of being on set. I had done a, a short film at that point before I graduated, and that was my first taste of like, okay, this is this is what the film world looks like as opposed to the theater world. And I had moved to Nashville, Tennessee, a year after I graduated college, wanting to get into film production, but not really having a clear direction. And I came across that email from that professor. Um, I don't know how, but I, I think I was led to that email and I read it. And when I make decisions, a lot of times I don't think them through and I just go for it, <laughs> which can be good or bad. But in this case, I think it was good because the decision to pursue acting as a career really, that email kind of reminded me of, oh yeah, hey, I said this was going to be a part of my life. But after reading that email, it was the first time I started thinking, oh, this is going to this is going to be a career for me. And so it was like a switch had, had been flipped there. And so I just dove, I dove in head first and there was no turning back from there. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, you mentioned earlier that feeling of connectivity when you were doing the theater performances and how that was kind of a foundational inspiration, I guess. And uh, But then you also mentioned the difference between theater and film. How did that sense of connectivity shift once you got into filming rather than being in front of a live audience? Yeah, great question. It, it is a different world. There are some similarities. Ultimately, as an actor, you're going for truth. That is ultimately your goal, whether you're in theater or film. You can tell bad acting or unconvincing acting <laughs> when the actor themselves, they don't believe what they're saying or what they're doing. So you want to always be going for truth. And, and that's that's just the case across the board. But yes, definitely the removal of the audience when you're doing TV and film, you don't get that immediate satisfaction <laughs> that I felt in seventh grade and, and <laughs> years since. Um, you are missing that. So it is a different energy. It's uh, on a film set and especially TV sets, it's just all about time and money. And so a lot of times, for instance, I'll send in an audition tape for a TV show and get hired straight off of my tape without having met anyone with, you know, just, okay, great. Be on set on this day. And you're just expected to come prepared with however you did it in the audition, unless told otherwise, and you're the new kid on set, you know? And seriously, at, at the lunch, when you break for lunch, you know, especially if it's a show that's been on for a few seasons, everyone's been working together because they've built this tight-knit family. And you're like, hey, guys, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm Jason, I'm new. And at, it's it reminded me of my high school cafeteria of I've got my plate of lunch. Where do I sit? And, you know, so it, it, it definitely is a different vibe. Whereas with theater, you have months of rehearsal and really a lot of time to work on these characters and workshop some different options. And so it is a different vibe, but I, I really enjoy both. Mm -hmm. uh, I really enjoy both processes. Yeah. Um, and in both 
cases, it is very much collaboration, family feel. Mm-hmm. That is why I got into this art form. Yeah. Because of the collaboration. One thing that's always fascinated me about the art of acting is the embodiment of taking on another personality, another life story or another narrative and making it your own. You know, and it seems like in order to do that, you would have to cultivate a real sense of empathy to take on that character. So tell me how you come to relate to the characters you play. Sure. Yeah, it depends on the role. Sometimes you get a role and and you say, oh, this is me. I don't have to do anything. I just need to be me. <laughs> and I think those are ideal. Um, ultimately, like I said, when, when you're going for truth, you do have to find a connection between yourself and the character, whatever it is. Lawrence Olivier said, it, this isn't an exact quote, but he said something to the effect of, character is not who must I become to play this person. It's who does this character become because I'm the one who's playing it. That's good. So, so there's definitely a focus on, okay, what can I bring to the table? Because if you and I were to audition for the same role, we would be bringing our own uniqueness, our own life experience, our own emotion to the role. So you definitely want to have a good sense of, kind of, I call it your emotional core, you know, like, okay, what makes me happy? What makes me sad? What ticks me off? What, you know, mm-hmm. um, it really is. And other actors have said this, it's really acting can be free therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, so yes, it's, it's very much, you, you focus on what can you bring, but you're right about the, the empathy part, uh, you know, I've read for roles that are darker in nature, that are just, okay, how am I going to connect with this dude? I, yeah. <laughs> I can't relate to him at all. Like, he's pretty evil or whatever it is. You still have to make that, that character human. Mm-hmm. So you still do. You do have to kind of step in their shoes and find what parts of you are similar. Yeah. You know, human beings, we're all capable of something, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it's a matter of... Yes, still making that person human and not judging the character. Mm-hmm. So when you first get a script and you're reading like, oh, I wouldn't do that, I wouldn't do that. Well, that doesn't matter. This guy is doing that in the script. So how do you justify it? And how, yeah. how do you approach this character without judging yeah. who that person is? Yeah, That's really interesting to hear you say. I, I had a conversation here on the podcast a few seasons ago with an Australian actor, uh, Anna McGann. Mm-hmm. And in our conversation, uh, she talked a lot about not judging the character and when she approaches a role, how not to judge them. And that really just struck me, even as uh, it, there's something spiritual about that, you know, about it, it taking this on, uh, but not judging the decisions that a character made. I'm, I'm really interested in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there there is ultimately some crossover into your day-to-day life, I think, when when doing this this art form. Um Yeah, I, I I mean I'd like to say that it's made me just the most empathetic person ever to everyone <laughs> all day, every day. Um but I I think I just take notice of people mm-hmm. more. What makes people tick and what you know, it's kind of like I 
I want to be as much of a sponge as I can. A lot of times I'm like, if I'm sitting in a coffee shop or airport, I look around at just the different conversations that are going on or arguments or what have you. And I just think, man, if we just put a camera on any one of these people, they would be incredible actors. They'd be in their natural state, you know, (laughs) they'd be telling the truth because this is real life. This is happening to them. I just think that I'm like, this would be fascinating. Like, what is your story? What is your story? And I find myself asking that a lot of strangers. Mm -hmm. What is your story? So yes, as an actor, your job is to kind of hold a mirror back on on society and us as human beings. And Mm -hmm. it requires you to access emotions and do things that are kind of against the everyday norm, you know? Um, Yeah. We bottle a lot of things in and Mm -hmm. and acting. It's like, okay, well, you need to do the opposite. You need to lay your heart out Mm -hmm. (laughs) on this table (laughs) and just be fully exposed and vulnerable. And um, that's just good exercise, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of acting as a means of truth-telling. That has its own paradox about it that, you know, on on one hand, we're embodying a a fictitious character, but it's to the end of telling the truth. And I love that paradox of of acting as truth-telling. Yeah, because there are, you know, there are shows and movies that you see with some awful characters that you're still drawn to. And I think that it is that truth that you're drawn to, that same curiosity of who is this person, (laughs) you know, what what makes them tick. It's easy, I think, to get in your head with acting and try to, in the pursuit of truth, it's difficult to, it's easier said than done. I'll mm-hmm. say. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. It's easier said than done. It's it's really acting is the easiest thing and the hardest thing to execute, but easy to explain. You know, just hey, be you, say these lines. It, it's living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. That's oh, I what love um that. Yeah, that's what uh, Samford Meisner, uh, who's a acting coach um, back in the day, and he developed the Meisner technique, um, just one, one of the popular acting techniques. And so that that was his thing was living truthfully under imaginary circumstances, and that's really all it is. It's mm-hmm. tapping into that inner kid and tapping into that imagination mm-hmm. and. Um, and accessing all those emotions yeah. that you don't on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> yeah. So. Is that what his technique is? Or what is that technique? It, yes. Meisner was very much um, very much living moment to moment. And everything that you need in a scene, you can get off of your scene partner. So if you're truly listening to your partner, then they're going to give you everything you need to react and, and, and play out this truthful uh, moment, this truthful scene. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what you were talking about with the collaboration. Yes, yes, absolutely. I figured this out, I think this past year, that what really drives me are having experiences, meaningful experiences with strangers. And I've just noticed that throughout my life, just even in traveling and and in the work as well. It's very much, 
you have, uh, whether it's theater or film, you have a lot of people coming together, bringing their individual talents and their uniqueness, and you're all coming together for the same goal to make something meaningful. And I think there's something really beautiful about that is how do we work together as a well-oiled machine Mm -hmm. to create this story that we know and hopefully will touch audiences Mm -hmm. or at least one person, you know, like Mm -hmm. I just, that's what I love. That's what really drives me is getting to work with new people a lot of the time and a lot of the time working with the same people too. It's very much a small world, but the idea of kind of going into battle with these strangers, <laughs> the battle of storytelling of filmmaking and coming out the other side, it really is like summer camp every time, especially if you're out on a film for you know a month or more at a time, you really build these strong bonds and then all of a sudden it's, it's done and you're looking for your next job and mm-hmm. you're promising, I'll write you, you know, like it's, it's very much like summer camp. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so it is always a bit jarring when you come out of a project and you're like, oh, I'm back in the real world now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that time that you had together was so meaningful and deep. And mm-hmm. and in the end, you you get to see the fruits of your labor, whether it's a performance on stage or, um, or a film being released. Yeah. 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 It seems like not only acting, but so many art forms, there's this interplay between solitude and the relational aspect, you know, there, there seems like there's this interplay between solitude and collaboration. Yes. Yeah, there absolutely is that. And I think for me, I feel more of that solitude. Like I said, um, if I'm on a, doing a TV show, cause it's very much like, yes, you do all of your prep on your own, all your homework on your own. And then you just come in and, and, and you do it and then it's done. Whereas with theater, it's, you know, you're, you're doing all that prep together and you're working with different personalities a lot, different directors a lot. So, you know, sometimes if, if you've done all this homework and you come in, you're like, here's my take on this. And they're like, actually, let's, um, let's not do that. Let's do this, you know, and it takes <laughs> you in a to- totally other direction. Um, there's a line of like what you've prepped and what you've worked on and also being open to whatever, you know, because um, a director might see something in you that they want to push and they really want to get you out of your comfort zone a little more to see what might happen, uh, which is which is great because we can limit ourselves. You know, there might be something that I'm afraid to do. And in my prep and my homework, I've avoided that thing whatever it is and i've i've gone for a safe choice let's say with the character or with a certain scene so that's where the collaboration is really helpful when someone sees something else in you and you in them and you're like okay what if we did this and did this and a lot of times that just happens in the moment on set yeah um so there's only so much you can prepare and then leave it open to whatever happens, whatever magic is happening on set, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating because, you know, we were just talking about that interplay between solitude and collaboration, but then there's also this collaboration between spontaneity and preparation, right? Yes. And and I think you find that in every art form. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, that's it. Uh, and, And I think that is a constant struggle or will be a, just a constant 
struggle for most actors. I know for sure for me, because you do want to keep it open and you like Meisner's teaching, you want to live moment to moment. And um, how do you do that? when you know the script inside and out, when you know the next person's line, when you know your next line and having to do in, in the film and TV world, having to do take after take of the same scene. And how do you keep that fresh and spontaneous? So that's something I'm always chasing after in my own work of, and I'm starting to figure out when I need to stop doing homework (laughs) and just let it be, Mm -hmm. which uh, can be a scary thing. But I also know the opposite feeling when I come in underprepared and I'm sweating bullets, and mm-hmm. I, that's scarier to me. So I'd rather be <laughs> overprepared and yeah. try to find that spontaneity than be underprepared, and then it just all crumbles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I know that you've you've done such a wide range of roles. Uh, like, for mm-hmm. instance, just reading over your biography, you've worked in The Walking Dead which is a show that I've followed since season one for all the high points and low points of that, of that show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've followed that one. And then you've also worked on the show Nashville. And then you also uh, had a role in the movie, I Can Only Imagine. Mm-hmm. And so when I place, I can only imagine beside The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that that seems like it seems like quite the the variety of experience there. Yeah, little little different vibe. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, I will say, kind of like I I was saying earlier, it's with each role, no matter how different, it's it's whatever whatever you can bring to it. So, for instance, The Walking Dead was very much a what? How would I react? What would I do in this apocalyptic world? You know, it's the setting that totally changed, and ultimately, when your setting and your circumstances change, that changes what's going on in you. But I can only imagine. I was actually I was playing a real person, <laughs> Mike Schuster from. Uh, so it's like it's different. It's um, those were both very rewarding, but like it. It was such a different setting, each one, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, for instance, for I can only imagine, I don't know how to play guitar, but uh, <laughs> I had to learn. <laughs> I had uh, I had a little bit of training, and uh, Andy Irwin, one of the, the directors, had said, it's like playing a doctor on TV. You just kind of look like you know what you're doing, and, <laughs> and you'll be fine. Um, so that's another aspect that I love about about this job is the requirements Mm -hmm. sometimes that are asked of you of Mm -hmm. like, Hey, here you got to learn how to kill a zombie and here you got to learn how to play guitar. And, you know, (laughs) so I love the variety of it. Totally. Totally. Well, you, you, you mentioned something when you spoke about the walking dead, about how the environment of that apocalyptic world was such a part of even you coming into your character. And I think that that's something true for all artists is that no matter what art form you have, we respond to our environment and, and the environment tends to play such a role with who we become as artists. Would you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think any artist is influenced by their environment. I think that's where inspiration comes. That's where ideas come. Um, 
uh, that's where characters come from <laughs> in the mm-hmm. acting world. And yeah, I, I definitely, I've thought before, how would my approach to acting and, and to art look differently if I had just a totally different upbringing? You know, if I grew up on the other side of the world, if I just had different parents, if I had a different family, if, um, like for me, for instance, my my parents were in, have been incredibly supportive of mm-hmm. of pursuing acting and and have been my whole life. And my mom was a, a theater actress and director, so I think she gets it. But both of them very supportive, and I have plenty of friends who didn't have that support and mm-hmm. kind of had to discover their form of art acting or painting or whatever just on their own Mm -hmm. and to me i just i just have so much respect for for those people because i feel like it took an even bigger risk on their end if you aren't surrounded with a necessarily supportive community um yeah i think environment just has a massive impact yeah um good and bad I mentioned earlier my conversation with Anna McGann, and Mm -hmm. uh, another of my previous conversations comes to mind, and this was with an opera singer named Sarah Toth, and Sarah Toth had written an opera about uh, the Emperor Nero, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's called the Nero Monologues, and in this, uh, she as a woman plays the character of Nero, the tyrant, and she acts this thing out and she sings it. It's incredible. I went to see it in Knoxville, Tennessee. That's Um, cool. But we were talking about the difficulties of her. How did she as a woman embody that character of this tyrant, this tyrannical figure who killed so many Christians uh, in history? How did she embody that? So my question for you is, what is one of the more challenging roles that you've played? And tell me how that shaped you. Let's see. What one do I want to do? I want to <laughs> talk about. Um, well, I'll just say it's funny what I've noticed. The roles that I've been auditioning for have changed. The older I get, I think with each new generation that I hit, that it's the industry starts viewing you differently. Um, so whereas I, I started off my career in a in a typecast, I think most actors do like okay, casting directors see you as this. And that's just naturally what you give off. So play into that. Um, And you do that for a while until you're starting to be viewed differently or you can get to a point where you're starting to try out different roles and read for things that are, you know, different from you. And I'll say that recently I've been getting a lot of arrogant like the man in charge, like really kind of jerk roles, like doesn't treat other people well, just like only after what he wants, you know, and, and will do anything to get it. Um, which is, yeah, that's a challenge. But at the same time, I can look inside myself and know, oh yeah, there's arrogance in there. Like <laughs> ask my wife, she'll tell you. Um, so it, it, it's the same thing like we were talking about earlier. Okay, if there's this character that that seems so different from you, maybe they're not that different from you. Maybe it just takes a little bit of introspection and, mm-hmm. and you realize, oh, I have that part of me. Okay, how can I access that part? Even though I don't access it every day, am I capable of this? What does that look like? So there have been roles like that and... 
and a, a bit darker roles that that I've auditioned for and taken on that have required me to do some introspection and again just how do I make this person human how do I not judge who they are and ultimately bring the truth to the story because I, I'm, I'm not serving the story if I'm not making this this person even relatable in some way, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I just have one last simple question and then we can close it up. What do you have coming up this year that we might could look out for? Yeah, so I'm going to be collaborating with the Irwin Brothers on their next movie. Um, it's called I Still Believe. And I have a couple other projects coming out this year that I worked on. One is a a dark comedy with Jesse Eisenberg called The Art of Mm Self-Defense. That should come out in July. And then I had the opportunity to work on the Lady and the Tramp remake, you know, the remaking all these Disney movies. So (laughs) um, that should come out later this year, I think in November. So yeah. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. Well, Jason, I'll look out for you, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me on Makers and Mystics. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. We'll be back again next week with our final artist profile for Season 5. If you've been inspired by these episodes, please consider joining our creative collective at patreon.com slash makersandmystics. These episodes are made possible by the generosity of friends like yourself. And for as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to exclusive content and enable us to continue curating these conversations on art, faith, and culture. If you're unable to support the podcast financially, please consider leaving us a favorable rating and review on iTunes. This will help make it easier for others to find the show. Thanks again, and we'll see you again next week.